Here are some more reflections on the year of Aon and why to focus in exactly on the year 2023 and a little bit from the perspective of choosing a theory to work from. But uh, first a little bit about this kind of sort of long time cycle celebration, uh, which is a thing that you find a little bit around uh, the world in fact. In, for instance, in the Hindu Kumela celebration, uh, that is understood as a joining, a connecting, which is based on an atonement, a penance that cleanses people from the, the sin that has come upon them in the past 12-year cycle of the Kumela, part, uh, Kumela uh, celebrations. That are these gigantic pilgrimages where people cleanse themselves in the sacred waters of the Ganges. Um, or the Roman Catholic Jubilee year, uh, when that is announced, which is every 25 or every 50 years, this is also this year of remission of sin and universal pardon. Uh, it involves pilgrimages to sacred sites, uh, normally in the city of Rome, where the Pope himself ritually breaks open specific sealed doors to specific pilgrimage sites or basilicas. Uh, this Catholic tradition is derived from uh, Judaism, uh, when the Jews on the Day of Atonement blow the shofar horns to uh, make, to open their year of Yubal. Uh, that means, uh, and that's every 50 years, that means returning, you return to your own family and return to the land. All slaves and prisoners are set free and, and so on. Um, note how the the, uh, there, there seemed to be something about access to communion with the divine or the other than human or with the land through purification. That seemed to be sort of a theme in these kind of traditions, at least in, in these ones. Um, there, there's something about purifying in order to gain or cleanse connectedness. And I think that if you base yourself on my way of dialoguing with the Aon myth, then the Nordic celebration of the Aon year looks similar somehow. There is some sort of a healing of, um, of the, 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 the trouble that inevitably occurs between human communities and the other than human sphere somehow. So there's a logic of healing, there's a logic of uh, purifying, uh, something like that. Importantly, when people do something like that, then there is an underlying logic you know, this might be, like I'm suggesting here, the healing of our relation with the other than human sphere, sort of flushing out the cluttered up channels that connect us with the land. You know, that this is an underlying logic. And that's important to remember, that there's something of that sort, that, 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 that there is an underlying logic. And it's important to remember because in scholarship on pre-Christian Nordic religion, there are often different theories and different perspectives. And there is almost always an element of speculation. Also to my suggestion for how to, to time this. So if you want to bring this healing into human culture, then there is an element of having to choose a theory and say, okay, well, go with this one. <laughs> uh, because, um, and, because that is what ritual does. Ritual do something and that is the point 
you know, and uh, and the dating might play into that, the way that this year is dated. And as far as I can see, my dating dialogues actually quite strongly uh, with that point of the ritual, where the other suggestions that I've heard is perhaps more difficult to see a connection. Um, so basically, making a choice is foundational. Uh, and the alternative is digging yourself into scholastic debates that will not likely never be resolved with a high degree of, of uh, certainty. Um, my suggestion leans on the historian of religion, Andreas Norberg, uh, who in my view is the strongest current uh, scholar on Nordic reckoning. <clears throat> but Norberg is not the only uh, one who has uh, worked on this. There's other uh, scholarship on it, particularly the Swedish astronomer Jöran Henriksson, who has made an alternative suggestion. Uh, and his idea is paraphrased in this book here, The Lunisolar Calendar, by Andreas Seutner. Uh, and uh, Seutner is, is basically just referencing Henriksen, so I'm just going to refer to Henriksen here. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to actually go into detail with his suggestion. Only that, just mention that I find it a little bit too speculative from an analytically historical perspective. In my view, there are some problematic assumptions in there. And uh, I certainly prefer Norberg's suggestion. Uh, if you're interested, uh, I'll stick a little video footnote out there with, uh, with a little bit more of argumentation, if you're a nerd. <laughs> um, my analysis of how the octatorous cycle defines this octennial cycle is an attempt at a piece of pretty standard analytical historical hypothesizing thinking that the dating uh, that way of choosing this year is hypothetical, but it leans towards uh, an, an analytical scholarship more, for instance, than it leans towards more associative animist thinking method. And uh, there are more options, by the way, for choosing that than just the year 2023, because the new moon following the solstice that happens with a greater frequency than just every eight years. So there are other possibilities to pick from. Hence, there is an element of choice in there. Uh, but also, you know, we had the realization and then we moved on it because, you know, well, the world <laughs> is in dire need of healing. It seems quite visible that we have flaked out of doing this for about a thousand years. So uh, you know, if you want to think in associative animist ways about it, you could also say that now is when we realized it. So now is when we start doing it. Um, now, uh, in my general work, I actually... Uh, don't work exclusively from very strict historic thinking. And there's a reason for this. Uh, the reason is that I want to recover traditional animist ways of knowing and thinking, and they differ from what you would call analytical knowledge of modernist scholarship, right? And uh, I want to find ways of to bring animism into mythology as well. That is, I think, recovery of traditional ways of knowing. So, for instance, when I'm communicating on calendar in my, my calendar book that you can find somewhere, uh, you'll see that each calendar day has a field that's called data, which is the data, uh, and then there's one called dialogue, where I'm trying to open the way in which we engage, engage uh, traditions towards associative dialoguing way of generating culture. Uh, because the strict historical analysis 
is in my view often misapplied if the objective is to generate contemporary culture. It quite simply is not a kind of thinking that's functional for the objective of producing recovery of traditional knowledge. And it end up, ends up, I think, regularly being methodologically convoluted. Uh, for instance, in the, the so-called reconstructionism, which I, I have often seen it performed in, in ways that I find to be methodologically self-defeating. Um, so, th so there are different kinds of thinking that we need to sort of pull in somehow and we need to start working with that. Uh, historical analytical thinking can, of course, assist with a lot of bits and pieces, but other ways of thinking are also needed uh, if the objective is recovery of living animist culture and traditional ways of knowing as organic, transformative, live modes of land connectedness, basically. However, my hypothesis of how to date the Aun year is actually, I think, a quite standard piece of historical analytical thinking. <laughs> uh, it is still hypothetical, well, for exactly that reason, uh, but I think it is analytically uh, possibly the strongest suggestion uh, on the market. And this is also why we, you know, Matthias Norvig, Joshua Root, and myself, uh, and Maria Lisele Jacobsen, had, you know, the temerity to go out and ask people to join us in this announcement of uh, the 2023 as the year of Aun, because the analytical knowledge that places itself close to the normative standards of knowledge in our age, uh, th that is also the kinds of knowledge that has rather high level of consensual currency in our age. Uh, now, what you're likely to find is people who will say, well, I have been dialoguing with this in a different way. Perhaps I think that Henriksen is right, and I've read in the stars or in the markings on a, uh, on a stone in my local area that the real octennial year of celebration should be held in a different year. This is likely to happen, and I basically think that you're free to follow these alternative trains of logic and organize your own octennial celebration according to these if dialoguing in that way makes more sense to you. Uh, what I'm trying to do is to balance. I'm trying to balance using uh, historical analytical thinking where it seems more appropriate <laughs> and to use more associative, dialoguing, animist ways of thinking when that seems to be the way to go. And I admit that I don't have very tight criteria how to define when one thinking is right and when the other seems to be right. Uh, and if you have them, then drop them in the comments segment here. I'm really interested in how to um, maneuver between these different modes of thinking. Uh, so about the dating, I'm foc focusing on analytical thinking. Uh, it's not just that a historical analytical thinking is truer in some cosmic Abrahamic truth sense. Uh, it is the, that there's the right kind of thinking needs to be applied for the right kind of objective, you know. And, and, and then I'm leaning towards a more associative animist thinking in the analysis of the Aun myth, what it means, which I spoke about in the last video. And after that has been brewing inside me for a while, I see that healing logic as profoundly convincing. I really think that that, that uh, explanation totally works. <laughs> uh, I, I, I own, actually only had that as a kind of an inspiration just before making that last video. And uh, I didn't have the idea when I launched the announcement of the Aun year. Uh, you know, that was just that, that I, I could see that there was this way of dating and we need to start figuring it out. 
But there's this funny and I think amazing thing about this weirdly over-public way of thinking that it has an enormous dynamism and pull somehow that makes it, in my experience, very rich with realization and creative insights. And I think that this healing perspective, it spins really, really well with what these kind of celebrations often, uh, what they often are. So, um, but if you if you look at it from a strict analytical historical perspective, I doubt that you could substantiate a very, very strong, for instance, genetic connection between the Aun myth and the Fisher King Grail myth, like I, I mentioned in my last video. But there's a strong similarity, the dysfunctional king. And though this similarity is associative, I totally think it, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, so Norbert's suggestion... Uh, for how to think about this in combination with my own, you know, you, that uses the heathen lunisolar criterion to place these celebrations in both Vaida and Uppsala on the dates that are reported by the sources Tidmar of Merseburg and Adam of Bremen, and that is the Uppsala celebration somet- sometime around the uh, vernal equinox and around the Three Kings Day. Uh, which is exactly uh, in Leida, uh, which is exactly when the celebration will be fall, actually, in uh, 2023. Um, the strength of the suggestion is its uh, simplicity. Uh, it doesn't rely on advanced astronomical patterns that need to fit with, you know, complicated lines on a rock side in Bohuslän or something like that. It, it looks at that aspect of the cycles of light that we know was the anchor point of pre-Christian calendar. It creates a simple rule that people would have been able to follow all over the region in their little thing gatherings and so on. You know, an upland farmer can hold out his hand like this and look at the moon and you don't have to be an astronomer to know it. And that way of, uh, this way of timing that I'm suggesting in in the last part part of my first video, uh, it also looks familiar, I think, to how people normally organize their calendars. It follows basically an, an easily observ- uh, observable pattern that's calibrated with a leap year. So yeah, this is just a little consideration on, uh, on uh, how to choose a method when thinking about this. My name is Rune Jane Rasmus. The work that I'm sharing with you on this channel focuses on recovering Euro-traditional animist knowledge. This is the fruit of a life of study and research all over the world, and I hold a doctorate from the oldest university in the Nordic region, but I'm choosing to popularize rather than to focus on academic publication. Conventional institutions, however, have yet to warm up properly to my perspective. So if you appreciate what I do, then please do consider that I also need to feed my family. Uh, For the price of less than one beer per month, you can become a Patreon supporter, or you can head over to my web shop and enter into exchange relation with me. You can also give single donations to my PayPal account, or if you have contact with someone that might help me project this incredibly important perspective to the world, then do drop me a PM. And uh, remember also to clickety-click and subscribe, follow, share, comment, and all that. Thank you very much.